I realized last episode when we were talking, I had this weird thing where we talked about how Parthian had come in and had attacked the state of Israel. Herod then went to Rome, got everybody, kicked out the Parthians, and then he became the Jewish, the king over the Jewish people. He wasn't Jewish per se, but he was the king over the Jewish people. And then I talked about how he then assigned Aristobulus III, his brother-in-law, to become the new high priest. But I never really explained why they were missing a high priest and why he needed to name somebody as a new high priest. Hmm. So Yeah, that's true. That's true. You dropped yeah, the that, ball on that one, guy who is the only person who does the research for this. Absolutely. I own this. <laughs> if you remember back to when we talked about Heraclitus and then it was Aristobulus were fighting to become both priest and king over Israel, and that is where Antipater, Herod's father, recommended to Heraclitus, how about you go up to Rome and ask for help, and then Aristobulus did the same thing. That was Aristobulus II. Well, what happened with the Parthians, and part of the reason that they invaded, is Aristobulus II, this was Heraclitus, the one who went against Heraclitus, his son Antigonus went to Parthian and partnered with them to get Parthian to invade Israel. And Heraclitus was going out to meet, I guess, with Parthian or have some sort of conversation or something like that was going on. He went out there. Antigonus grabs or captures Heraclitus, the current high priest that Antipater had put in place, the priest that was there when Herod was still in charge, or not fully in charge, but you get what I'm saying. Like, he wasn't king yet, but he yeah, was still yeah. in charge of his... Okay. So when Heraclitus was leaving, he ends up getting captured by his enemy's son, Antigonus, who takes him capture and cuts off his ears. Mm. Yeah, which meant that he could no longer serve as high priest. He couldn't go Parthian, in the temple, like couldn't even go in the temple, right? Right, right. So by, according to the Jewish people, for our audience to know, for the Jewish people, there are certain rules about the wholeness or the completeness of your priesthood, that they have to have all their body parts and everything else. And having his ears cut off, he can no longer serve. Mm. So he, he basically, like, Antigonus is like, you can never be high priest ever again, period. Ooh. He's you like, I'm going to make sure of it. Yes. What a yeah. dick. I mean, he probably deserved it. I don't know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Beer and Bible. I am Neil. I am the one that does the research and sometimes drops the ball, admittedly. <laughs> and uh, okay. I am Chris, the official Bible reader and drinker of this deal. So last, when we left everybody, we had finished the civil war between Mark Antony and Octavian. Octavian wins. Yep. And Mark Antony's dead, right? Yes, he yeah, is dead. Poor Mark so, Antony. Yeah. So now, what's going on post-Civil War? Now, Herod returns, and he returns to Mariamne, where there was a rumor that she was having an affair. Herod went to Joseph, was like, hey, I got to take a business trip. In the meantime, while I'm on this business trip to meet Octavian, I need you to watch after Mariamne, my wife that's way younger than me. Hmm. But he, he supposedly he really likes Mary Omni. We're going to get into more of that in a little bit. I want you to watch to make sure she's not having an affair. I think there is one. And then he comes back, and Salome, who's Herod's sister, his actual sister, ends up saying, actually, the person that she was having an affair with was Joseph, no. her uncle. Yeah, so the guy that he asked to watch over her, he actually, when I say watch over, he actually said, if I die, I want you to go ahead and kill her. So, so that, that we can just be in the tomb together. So that way no other man would actually end up marrying her or being with her. Mm. 
he, he's he can, he's telling him to do that, and like she and yeah. Mariamne's behind him, and Joseph's behind him, and can't they kind of shoot each other a wink, like wink, wink? He's leaving well, for a while. Yeah, that's what Salome, Herod's sister, proposes. So we don't know if actually Joseph and Mariamne had a thing. Probably not. It was really just Salome just went over and said that. Damn. Well, hopefully he didn't die for nothing. I mean, I I hope for their sake that they were getting freaky. Now we're talking about another uncle niece relationship. This brings us back to Game of Thrones again. It just keeps coming okay, back. Okay, see, see, you had to make it weird. I forgot it was an uncle niece thing. I didn't make it weird. It's just the way it is, man. That's <laughs> the history books is what made it weird. I'm just telling you guys what happened. Actually, so, I guess it's our society making it weird, right? They didn't have a problem with it. In most of the states, there are a couple states where it's not as weird. Alabama, West Virginia. Kentucky. All right, we need to shut this down right now because we are in the South. We don't want people getting the wrong idea about us. We know yeah. where our moral compasses are. Okay, and and also if you're from Alabama, Kentucky, listen to we, our we show. To, We're just playing. Yeah. We're going to offend everybody. We'll get to them. Anyways, so Salome's like, hey, Herod, your wife has been sleeping with her uncle. And he's going, oh, my gosh. And then her which mother. One? Which one? Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> so then her mother, this is not Salome. We're talking about Mariamne's mother, Alexandra, actually incriminates this as well. She speaks up. Like, yeah, that's totally happening. And she thought that it was might be because she might be on the next on the list to be killed. So she tells him that her daughter, his wife, was having an affair to save her own skin. However, Alexandra, shortly after that, decides to declare herself queen because Herod's actually mentally unfit. Oh. Which, <laughs> Does this come back to the worms? No, I don't know if it's the worms or not, but either way, she makes this declaration, which is not a smart thing to do to a king that is currently in power. You do not... Yeah, and, and who it just enjoys killing people. Yes. So Alexandra is executed a little bit later after Mariamne. Mar- oh, yeah, oh Mar- wow, so Mariamne yeah. gets executed. So Mariamne gets executed. So yes, it was a political alliance, but he was also obsessed with her and even goes into the wilderness for a long time and has this major depressive episode for a while. Wait, this is Herod or this is Joseph? This is Herod. What happened no, to Joseph? Oh, he got Mar- killed. He got- no, he got killed. Like, first thing, he, he gets killed. So oh, so like, he was, like, immediate. And then Mariamne got executed. Mariamne. And then shortly after that, okay. Mariamne's mother, Alexandria, gets killed. Hmm. So then in 28 BCE, he kills off Salome's husband, Christovar, because he's like, he was worried about a conspiracy. So, like, this point... <laughs> certain to, Yeah, Herod's starting to lose it a little bit here. Again, just giving you a, a bit of a timeline and trying to paint a good picture of Herod. In 25 BCE, he imports grain from Egypt after a massive drought and waives one-third of the taxes. So he's still somewhat a decent ruler trying to do the right thing for Mm. his country, but he's also completely losing it at the same time. He's still working for Rome, obviously, right? Yes, yes. But he had to bring in shit from Egypt because Rome's kind of like, ah, get fucked, idiot. Right, I think Egypt still falls under Rome at this point. Oh, and they're probably closer, too. Yes, yes, and the Nile... The way the Nile's set up, there's always been a good breadbasket. It used to be that the Egyptians, way, way early on, never even left Egypt. They were like, rivers only flow north. They were really surprised to meet people. They're like, no, no, rivers go south. They're like, no, no, they don't. Because everything they needed was centered around the Nile. And they had fairly consistent, I'm going to say fairly consistent for each world, seasons of growing. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why they were just like... Old Testament times, just fine to like throw a baby in a basket and float his ass upriver, huh? Yeah, 
It's yeah. the Nile. The Nile provides. Meanwhile, there's like fucking crocodiles swimming around and shit. Continuing on, in 23 BCE, he builds a palace in Jerusalem and marries a new Mariamne and makes Simon the new high priest. Did he call her M2 or was it Mariamne the second? I think it's just Mariamne. I don't know, man. A lot of these people have the same name. We already wait, talked so about it, Wait, so she literally had the same name? I thought you were being yes. like, oh, wow, that's the funniest shit. <laughs> Well, it's like uh, you marry Ashley, and then later on you marry another Ashley. Later on, I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> now, when it comes to being a king or being a ruler, in order to make a name for yourself and keep your posterity going, you have two options. One of them is to win a lot of wars. And the problem with that is that Herod is under Rome, so he doesn't have a foreign policy. That's kind of like saying Greenland... Like, Greenland does not have a foreign policy. It's part of Denmark. Greenland is Denmark. So Denmark makes all the decisions, and that's what Greenland is essentially with. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah. Greenland, not a country. (laughs) That would be a terrible postcard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's all it says. Welcome to Greenland, not a country. So he has no foreign policy power. So he's got three major building projects, or at least three that I chose to talk about. One of them is a place called Masada. It is this ridiculous, basically resort spa on the top of a plateau. One person had said he required the architects to do the unthinkable. It even had a sauna. He made an ancient sauna on a plateau that overlooked everything. So everything, all of the materials had to be brought straight up cliffs. Ugh. Yeah. I think there are stairways and things, but it's, it's a place called Masada. Google it. Check so it out. So he picked like the biggest pain in the ass. Yes. Mm. He thought to himself, if I was an Instagram influencer, where could I make the best picture that no one else could ever live up to? <laughs> I want an infinity pool that overlooks a desert. And they're like, well, there isn't any water in the Ooh. desert. I said infinity pool overlooking a desert. And then he leaves to do something. He's like, if anybody gets in it, I'm going to kill him. And you watch him for me. He points at like his new Joseph. He's like, if anybody gets in my pool, I'm going to kill him. And he's like winking at the pool behind his back. I'm going to get in that fucking pool as soon as he leaves. It's like, that's what the last Joseph said. Before he got Ah. in my wife. (laughs) Look out. And another project that he started was Caesarea. He just made an entire city for Caesar. So when you want to give a gift to a a political leader, especially the emperor of Rome, what do you come up with? A city. More shit for me to rule. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Best birthday gift ever. More. Well, yeah. <laughs> so he, he ends up building a port town. Like It's kind of like going up and down the coast, like West Coast, and just being like, there is absolutely nothing around here, no cities for miles, we're going to make a city, which is just ridiculous to just decide. <laughs> I, I was going to say, how do you convince people to move there, like hand out flyers? It's like, check out a port over here. Like This city's going to be super cool. We're building it. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't fucking care. I, I've got real estate here. Like, I already bought a house. And they're like, well, it's going to be really cool. Um, we're doing it for Caesar. It's like, yeah, Caesar can eat a dick. I'm not moving there. Like, how do you how do you pull a gun out? Get the fuck to the Newport City. You just made some of the best points I I never thought about. <laughs> Those I think I've got an answer for you. So he makes a deep port. There's actually one guy that says that this should be considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Mm. It's vast and artificial deep seaport unprecedented at the time caesar second right hand man saying all this stuff i know this is a scholar today that's saying it's a it's a modern scholar if it's not rashi they can get fucked yeah 
No, he is way more modern than Rashi. So he can still get... Yeah, okay. (laughs) So what they did is they made pontoons with volcanic ash and cement. So they took that from Italy. They have volcanic ash shipped from Italy, yes. And then they would make these giant pontoons, squared off with wood, and then they would break it and sink the pontoons. It ended up being 40 hectares of confined ocean. It was... What it did is it made a place for sailors to port for the winter, either port in Alexandria because it's large enough, or I have to be Crete or Rome or or not Rome, but, you know, I have to be in Italy. I have to be somewhere, Greece. I've got to be somewhere ported for the winter. So he made natural breakers so when storms roll through for the winter, it would, like, keep the ships from banging together and getting all fucked up and shit. Exactly. Wow. So he had no geographical way to compete with anybody else, so he just said, F it. We're going to change the world. We'll so make our we geography. Have... Exactly. So how does it get populated? My guess is that you start having sailors people like that come in. And it, they say that it had a very small Jewish community, but essentially it was a Gentile city. And to this day, it's still a place for the upper middle class. Go on. <laughs> they think that it sort of stole a lot of business from Alexandria. It was ah. purposely to take that on. Yeah. Like to compete <laughs> with them. Nice. So, Damn, Herod's not as fucking stupid as we thought. Well, actually, he's been pretty smart tactically up to this point. For us, first introducing him in one of the Christmas stories is the Worm King, or just the beginning of Matthew. Like, damn, he's pretty, he's pretty fucking smart up to this point as far as like any modern day HBO series main character would go. Yeah, it seems like he is doing everything he can to maintain power. Mm-hmm. He's trying to build a little bit, but he is not scratching and trying to claw his way back into it or anything. He's not from the bottom up. He's just like trying to protect it as much. That's the way I see it, at least. Yeah. Remember the whole thing of he's sitting there between the Jewish people and the Roman people? So he sort of has Caesar's city and like a Roman city, and then he has God's city, Jerusalem, one of the places he resides. You've got two gods because the Caesars saw themselves as like emperor, god, kings. So they were themselves gods and to be worshipped. And then you have the Jewish god. And so he had the Jerusalem. So you've got two gods, two cities. So going back to I like to keep my gods and cities separate too. I got Catawba and Roanoke. You know, in Roanoke, we do the whole church thing, and then we come out here to Catawba. We've got this fucking, like, alpaca god that we've got in the field. Just, is it like the cuter version of the Luciferian god? Yeah, okay. and there's a lot of beer drinking involved. Yeah, less goats, more alpacas. Yeah. Another thing you just reminded me of is the idea of keeping gods in certain localities. That's why you have the oracle at Delphi. That's why you have these different cities with specific gods in those cities. So it makes sense that you'd have a Caesar... And a Jerusalem, because if they came over, they're like, hey, you're not worshiping Caesar in your main cities, like our main city, Caesarea. And the Jews are like, no, you shouldn't worship another god. We're not. That's in Jerusalem. There's no Caesar in Jerusalem. <laughs> ah. like, yeah, like, I hadn't thought of it that way. That might have been what he was thinking, is keeping these two gods separate, just like you do with your Catawba and your Roanoke yeah, religions. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Going back to Jerusalem, he still needs to maintain his good connection with those guys. He continues building and making improvements upon the temple in Jerusalem. He was a non-Jew. He was actually never allowed to enter it, but he took it very seriously. He's like, I'm going to make you guys the best temple. You're not allowed in. He's like, that's fine. I'm not doing it because I want to. I'm doing it for you guys. I'm sorry. What was that? Nothing. I love this. I love you guys (laughs) and your religion. I hate bacon. Hmm. I hate sizzling, smelling, crackling bacon. (laughs) Was he doing it for them? 
Or was he doing it to keep them in line? Yeah. Or to kind of keep them pacified? I don't know. My guess, again, I kind of look at Herod as more of a political person than a religious person. Yeah. And I think of him more being trying to keep everyone pacified. Keep them under the thumb. Yeah. There was a little bit of worry about it because some people thought he was going to destroy it because he's like, I'm going to improve this. No, you're not. You're going to come in here with the wrecking ball and you're going to tear it down. And instead of rebuilding it, you know, you got to tear down a couple walls to add, put an addition onto your house. Oh, sure. It's like, yeah, somebody's like, I'm going to build an addition to your house. You're like, cool. And then they just tear down the wall and they just leave. I'm like, ha screw you. <laughs> no. So they were really worried about that. And his response to this was... The Hasmoneans, that is the the Maccabeans. This is Heracinus, and or it's Heracinus's father, John Heracinus. So it, it was the Maccabeans that we talked about earlier on. He said the Hasmoneans were in charge for years and never rebuilt it. You guys never did anything with it. I'm gonna make it better. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. So he he just threw that right back in their faces. Yeah, never forget. No, don't let them forget. Keep that shit. That's that's the long game, dude. You keep that shit in your back pocket for a while. You don't need to get it right there when you know you got something. You need to hold on to for it. Like it, it gets sweeter the longer it sits in your back pocket. So when you throw it back, hmm. This old haired guy. I'm not saying I like him, but I respect him. This is kind of what I wanted well, to go for. I'm not saying I respect him, but, well, okay, yeah, I'll give him that. I'll give him a little respect. It's and you know what's funny now, too, is, like, going through all this? I know we're not at that point yet, but once he sets his sights on little baby Jesus, I'm kind of sitting here in the background like, bro, you're fucked. Y'all better run. Wait, to Jesus or to Herod? No, to to Jesus. Oh, yeah. You know, because this is the guy that ultimately goes worm king and is like, yeah, where's this new king going to be at? Where's he at? And I'm like, bro, this dude has a fucking track record. It's not like fat, laid back, he's been fed his whole life. I mean, granted, he's been living in the lap of luxury for a while, but this dude has been taking out his enemies, like, doing his shit, climbing the ranks, clawing and fucking scheming. This is not the one right here, dude. Yeah, he is serious. The fact that the, he's just real quick in the Bible, fucking... Matthew should have wrote a little bit more about this motherfucker. Y'all don't understand. Let me just tell you about old Sauron here. Yeah, another great analogy here. Sauron. You know what I mean? This dude yeah. isn't just some pushover. This guy's a tactician. He ain't just going to screw you over. He's going to take your whole family out and make sure they take you out of the history books. Speaking of family, we should get into his family. Let's we do it. We kind of talked a little bit about this. Oh, just to wrap up the temple part of things, he's the one who created the court for business and for women. So some of the places that Jesus does his teachings, <laughs> that court did not exist until Herod made it happen. Mm. And rabbis in the third and fourth century said, who has not seen the temple that Herod built have not seen a beautiful building. So the rabbis who hate this guy and they write some good slander stuff. Are we talking about stuff. the school of business or the school of women? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Two things I'm I'm, I'm extremely mildly interested in. Now, going to Herod and his children, in 14 BCE, he goes and he brings back Doris and Antipater. Doris was his first wife, and Antipater was his son that he had right in his late 20s, early 30s, who would have been about four years old when Herod divorces Doris, sends Doris and Antipater away, his son, and then marries Mariamne. And they think that the reason that he brings back Doris and Antipater after he's already killed off Mariamne is it might have been that he was just trying to make a point to his sons. Herod makes Antipater the first heir in the will. So he's been gone and exiled and then suddenly brings him back and turns to his other two sons like, look, 
I'm making my original son that I sent away, I'm going to make him first heir again. Yeah, see how replaceable you are? Like, what a piece of shit. Yes, yes, that's exactly (laughs) what he was trying to do. (laughs) Fucking these names, good grief. Historical names, how do they, they do these things all the time where it'll be like, in the Old Testament, it'll be like, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, blah, 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 Ben. You know, and then like, or right now, Doris, and then, you know, Mariamne, like, what are you people doing? It'll just be this very different name, and then it'll be like, something I recognize is like, you know, an American in 2023 of just like, maybe that's just the name that survived, but it's like, they have these names you can barely pronounce, and they'll just be like, Ben, or we need Dick, to- you know, like, I, I haven't seen any dicks, well, I mean, I haven't. There have been dicks in the Old Testament, but I know people named Dick. Yeah, yeah. No, those are all cut off. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that again. You almost made me spill on a beer. I think what what I'm hearing here is what we need to do is increase the popularity of names like Antipater. We need to make Gomer great again. I'm going to have a daughter. I'm going to name her Gomer. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like it. For anyone who doesn't know, just so you know, not only is Gomer a really weird name for a girl, it is the name of the prostitute, or she's a temple prostitute, that one of the prophets is told to marry, and she continues to leave her husband to go have sex with other men. So that's probably why Gomer did not make it in with Mary and Elizabeth. So we mentioned earlier that Doris and her son, Antipater, come back. Antipater is named the first heir again in front of... Alexander, Mariamne's dead. These are Mariamne's children, Alexander and Aristobulus. By the way, fun fact, Alexander had a special place in his heart for eunuchs because eunuchs, once they've had the testicles removed, they don't have the testosterone, so they have this very androgynous look. And apparently that was Alexander's thing. Not there's anything wrong with it. No longer a man, not quite a woman. Somewhere in there. I don't know. Real Bowie. Yeah. He definitely liked. Da- he would everybody been all thought about- every everybody thinks David Bowie's hot. Yeah, he would have been all about Ziggy Stardust, <laughs> and then Aristobulus, the other brother. Those two guys were sort of this weird Roman aristocracy. They were basically sent to Roman private school, and they started thinking they were the awesomest of awesome. And Herod really didn't trust them. He saw them as I like this quote: Hasmonean aristocrats. <laughs> Hasmonean aristocrats. Yeah, they were Hasmonean aristocrats. The way they're thinking of it is that their great-great-grandfather was king, their great-grandfather was the high priest, their uncle, when he was alive, was the high priest, their mother would have been queen, and they have the Jewish Hasmonean Maccabean blood in them. Hmm. So... Then on top of that, they have all of the (coughs) Roman schooling and education. They would actually make fun of their dad's ability to speak foreign languages behind his back, make fun of his Greek accent and everything else. Wow. Because, yeah, again, I'm just thinking these are the most prep school jerk children you can imagine. They were named successors in Herod's early will, will, but that changes by 9 BCE. Herod actually believes Alexander is plotting to kill him, and I think he ends up killing him off. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And it also really didn't help that he had executed their mother, Mariamne. So they were not huge fans of their father. Ah, they weren't Team Herod. Yeah. Yeah. And story time. There are stories, again, from the rabbis that wrote about these later on, that 
Herod actually kept Mariamne's body and embalmed her in a jar of honey and then would visit her at night to continue their um, relationship. Shut your dirty mouth. Really? I told you we were going to get to necrophilia. <laughs> this isn't the first time. I mean, no. Wait, is no. it the first time? I don't know. I don't think it is. But yeah, isn't that wild? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. We'll just leave it at interesting. This guy really plays by his own rules. You got to give him a little respect. Not for the necrophilia, but he doesn't give a fuck. Not one bit. That is definitely a... Hmm. See, what the fuck is Caesar doing? Like, this guy's just running rampant. He's like, I don't give a shit. I get married. I have some kids. They piss me off. Kill the wife. Send the kids away. Or no, he send the wife and kids away. You know, get a new wife. She pissed me off. I kill her. Bring the kids back, put them through prep school. I keep the mom around just because, you know, everyone's going to get lonely. <laughs> but I put her in honey <laughs> so it smells good. And um, I'm just building kingdoms. I created my own, like, port. That's cool. So, you know, made a bunch of people move to this city because I fucking killed it. And, like, it's doing awesome. So. He's a pretty wild character. I love, like, it. That's, I love it. He plays by no rules. Yeah. All right, I want to cover a couple more things because we've talked about Alexander and this other Aristobulus, and later on, we're going to have his son, Herod, is going to show up in the Jesus story later on. We're going to have him show up early in the the current Herod that we're talking about tonight is going to show up in this story, but then who's going to become his other son? So I do want to cover that real quick. So he ends up having other wives and kids. He ends up marrying a woman named Malathes, who has Herod Archelaus and Herod Antipas, who was born before 20 BCE. So it's going to be a second son through Malthes. I think Malthes, Malthes. I think that's how I've got it in my notes. And he's going to be the Herod that's going to see John the Baptist in jail. He's going to be the one that's going to see Jesus at trial. I've been confused this whole time. Okay, so this is Herod's daddy. Yes, that's that Herod. They're both Herod. Why do they name fucking... I always hate that. Like, if you get down to a second, or if... Like, I understand, like, oh, Chris Stanley Jr., but if you get to seconds and thirds, bitch, you need to throw those in the trash. You don't need those leftovers. Pick a new fucking name. I'm thinking about our fr- one of our friends that has is like a fifth. <laughs> which, which his wife is like, that is the most, most, most pretentious thing I've ever heard. <laughs> which is great when your wife hates your own name. But that's a very Herod thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll be dead and you'll still be me. Didn't George Foreman name all of his kids George and Georgia? I don't know. I got one of his creations at the house, and he cooks a hell of a sandwich. Something to Google later on. So that's one of his wives. Then he ends up. He also marries Cleo of Jerusalem, who produces Philip, who becomes a tetrarch and another Herod. So he has two more heirs outside of Cleo of Jerusalem. He also has other wives. You have Pallas, Phaedra, Elpis, and there's rumor cousin and or niece that he also marries. So... One understanding is that at the end of his life was just either sudden run of wives, and most likely at this point he actually gets a little polygamous. Earlier on, he is not polygamous. Even if it might have been approved in the Middle East, Syria area, it is not approved by the Caesars. So that's why he marries Doris, divorces Doris, marries Mariamne. Mm. He does everything in order, but near the end of his life, he just starts being like, I can do what I want. Well, at this point, he's been doing what he wants. Like, now he's established. We just went. We just ran down his application or whatever, you know, freaking builds a city, does this, does that. Now he just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm old. I'm going to die anyway. Let's do this thing. Yeah. yeah. He's like the horny old man that just grabbing butts right. and busting nuts. 
now that we've built all of this up, we're getting close to the end of his life. So at this point, let's actually look at the Christmas story. We've spent two episodes building up to the Christmas story. <laughs> After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, dun, 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 Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Oh, that's interesting. So well, yeah, like, they're going to be... They know about Crazy Worm King that just killed off Miriam. <laughs> they know about the honey jar. They're like, they oh, about- shit, this is coming. To- we're starting all over again. Yeah, yeah. Don't think like Jerusalem, like the Jews were like, oh, no, Jesus, we hate babies. Like, no, no, no. It was like, oh, shoot, Herod's moody. Yeah, so like, they knew what was coming. They're like, this can't. This isn't going to end well. Yeah, and just for our listeners, Magi, think of them as ambassadors or diplomats from other kingdoms. All right. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Which prophet? Uh, I actually don't remember off the top of my head, but fortunately that's exactly how Herod feels because Herod's like... (laughs) I'm Jewish, totally. I, I know. I know. Yeah, all, I, I know. know I, yeah, exactly. I know the I know prophets. I know all the prophets. Uh, Dave, Jimmy, Dick. He's <laughs> Sam. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Ah, he's being shifty. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the... Soon, and after they heard that they went on their and the star they had seen, I don't know. That just sounds like bad grammar. Anyway, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. <coughs> And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Hmm. They were warned. It's so funny the things they don't like. Well, it's Matthew. We've been through all this. They just gloss over things. It's like, I'd have been dipping into that dream. What happened in this trippy-ass dream? Like, what? I don't know. Anyway. And having been warned, blah, 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 to the country in the route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. I guess that that would be the dream the Magi had. I would assume. Something like that. Something like Cliff Notes version or something like that we've got. It's just (laughs) like... like Babies, how, streets, like, running red with blood, Slayer playing out in the open, like, you know, doing a live show. I, I think we should leave, honey. I'm sorry, what? I had a dream. Are you sure that's what it means? There was blood in the streets. It was like dubstep meets death metal. I'm going to call it doomstep was playing. 
And Ugh. it was mostly just babies just screaming. Yeah. I would that's uh, uh, again another reason to GTFO. <clears throat> so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were 2 years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. The end. So that all fits within the character of Herod. Oh, yeah, yeah. There is a question about whether or not this actually took place. Some people think that this was a story that was made up by Matthew because we don't have any recording of it, Josephus, or anything else. The problem is killing a few infants is not that big of a deal for what Herod does when he's killing his own son and killing people of prominence and sending other soldiers to go do different genocides other places. And he's also killed different leaders within the Jewish group. I know we haven't covered all of that, but just understand this fits within Herod's normal MO. They Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say that either way, whether this, let's say this did not happen, but Matthew is trying to tell his story about Herod, it makes sense to write a story like this because people are like, oh, that sounds like something Herod would do. If Think about all the SNL sketches where they don't make stuff up about Donald Trump or make stuff up about Joe Biden. What they do is they take things and characteristics that already exist about Donald Trump and Joe Biden and they, they lift them up. They make them bigger. Yeah. So in the same way, now, like I said, this is pretty small, but if Matthew is trying to tell a story and he wants to tell a story where Jesus fulfills this word of Jeremiah about the weeping in that area, then he can say, oh, I can write about the idea of Herod doing these things, and then I can insert the verse that I need it to prove. So I'll make up a story that proves it. So that is one option. The other option is that this is a real story and it fits Herod. And again, anybody reading this would be like, yeah, if it wasn't in the Bible and it was in Josephus, everybody would be like, yeah, that, that tracks. No one would question it if it was in any other text. Yeah. So all this to say is that I don't think there is sufficient evidence to discount it. I also don't think there's sufficient evidence. Well, how do I say this? There is enough character evidence to count it. Whether you count it or don't count it, I don't think it really matters. And I know if if you are a very orthodox Christian, you might be like, are you questioning the Bible? No, I'm actually kind of questioning the questioning of the Bible. (laughs) I don't see why you shouldn't count it. But if it didn't happen, it's not a surprise. Right. It's kind of like, like it wouldn't even make it onto a document because people would just be like... One, they're living under Herod, who has been doing this shit for years. So one, it's in character. This is something that we've been seeing. This wouldn't even be on their radar of crazy shit. It would just kind of be like, oh, hmm. So Israel's like, they're already prepared. They're like, oh, fuck. Somebody came around and said some crazy shit to Herod. Now we get to pay for it. This is going to be fucking fun. And then two, nobody's going to record it because he's in charge. 
This is happening on his turf. So who's going to write down that Herod, who's going to have the audacity to write down that Herod killed a bunch of fucking babies? Yeah, along with, oh, wait, which week was that? Which, I'm sorry. Exactly. What, which, three? Which, which crazy tirade was this or which temper fit was this of our fucking child king? Yeah. I love how you said our child king. Meanwhile, it's literally what we're talking about is Jesus, the child king, the two-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so understand that story and understand all the concerns that Israel has, exactly what happened, what Matthew's saying. I don't want to discount that. Also, please go check out our older episode. I think it's called infanticide a political maneuver but is this historically accurate there is no full way to tell you that theoretically yes the likelihood is very strong yes also somehow my fucking dumb alcohol brain just like clicks sometimes but i feel like in that episode you referenced weren't we like as atrocious atrocious as this was, as terrible as this was, and me being a dad having two kids and having a kid that's having a firstborn son and having my daughter who's three years old. I can't imagine somebody losing my child or having them ripped away and murdered. So it's not like that's funny or anything. Or that it's nothing, but when we were initially talking numbers on that last episode, if we're talking of like estimates of the realm he had, the reach he had, and the populace and age groups and stuff, aren't we talking something in the 20s and 30s? Isn't that? Yeah, closer to 10s to 20s. Yeah, so that's something that, again, fucking terrible. This is no excuse. Fucking brutal. And the yeah. dude deserves to burn in the pits of hell or whatever, or just be have his teeth smashed out in the street and his head chopped off. Yes, fuck, fuck that. But as far as this type of you know, struggled these people are going to and what they're living under, that would be a blip on the radar probably to like the shit they have to deal with on a yearly basis or monthly basis or weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. And we are about to talk about another example of some of the things that he does. He had no problem with killing people in a region, whether it was a teacher, a rabbi or something else. He would just be like, yeah, that guy sounds like he disagrees with me. So instead of yelling fake news, he's more like telling his soldiers, go kill these people. That person just goes away. Yeah, a little less fake news and a lot more KGB secret police. Yeah, one, if we talk about this being recorded with the body count, and I think we mentioned all this on that the episode you referenced, it would be a blip on the radar. Even oh, yeah. though they're kids, that is not a problem for him. <laughs> yeah. Two, he's in control of everything. Nobody's going to write that shit down. And if you did get caught writing it down, what do you think would happen? You yeah. would disappear. Like, three, it's not out of character. That's something that would be, that completely matches with what he would have done to, especially if it comes to, like, usurping his power and taking him away from what he's, quote unquote, or, like, in his own mind, built up here. Yeah, and now we're going to move into exactly what you're talking about. Like He has no problem killing people off, and he's just lost at this point. His brain is going. So we're gonna, let's, The let's Worm start. King. The Worm King. We're moving into that now. So he, he makes it into his 70s, which, you know, good for him. That's a high score for that time period. Good job. And he starts killing people like crazy. So once again, this is all the same time period as the Matthew story. They're like, he's killing people every other day. How do we write this down? Dude, I don't know. Like He killed a bunch of people in Bethlehem. Did you hear about that? No, I missed it. It's hard to keep up with what he's doing. Right. Josephus tells us that he ends up having a stomach slash mind issue, that his flesh was decaying, and some people were talking about worms. So once again, we get to Worm King Herod. We're going to get into that in a second. 
at one point, there were some students that were talking to the rabbi, and the rabbi started saying, you should remove this eagle from the temple. So he put an eagle, which is a sign of Rome, not of America, but it was a sign of Rome, and they tear it down. <coughs> this rabbi tells the students, pull that eagle off of the temple. It might have even just not even been on the temple, but it might have been the palace. Anyways, they pull this eagle off, and then the students and teacher were killed immediately. Again, he's killing anybody and everybody. He's losing it. So let's talk about his last five days. Antipater, Doris's kid, his first and eldest son, tried to start a coup, jumped the gun too soon, so he ordered the immediate execution of Antipater. Immediately. If I remember correctly, it was a confusion that he was thinking that the king was dead and tried to take power really quickly. So you and your brothers are all in line to be the next king. Your dad dies. What do you do? You immediately tell everybody you're king. You try and assume the throne as soon as possible because if you don't, your brothers are going to try and kill you. They're going to claim legitimacy. And they also have the backing of the people because they have the Hasmonean blood in them. Their mom was Jewish. So he's trying to claim this as quickly and efficiently as possible, but his dad wasn't dead. There was just confusion on it, and his dad finds out that he claimed to be king, so he kills his first son. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. I would have been, I would have been like, I mean, you're already on death's door, bro. Chill. Like, I'm gonna sit back here, chill out, keep me. But I guess he was a piece of shit, so whatever. Yeah. Another thing he did is he realized that he wasn't very popular. So, like, if Ryder jumped ahead of me, I'd be like, and my son. You know, for new viewers or, or, or viewers. <laughs> oh God, forbid we ever do this thing where people can see us. But if Ryder jumped up and was like. You know, my my son and was like, "Oh, I'm I'm king. My dad's passed." And I'm like, I'd "Get somebody to wheel me in, bitch! I'm not dead yet. What are you doing?" What? I'd be like, "Look, I'm gonna be quote unquote dead. I'm gonna hang back here, and you keep me fat and happy for the next couple days, and you're king. Or we can just roll it out, and I'll give you the sword on the shoulders. Uh, you're king now, bitch, and I'll I'll fake dead." And y'all throw me on the floor, but you got to pick me back up and take me back to the back room and give me a bunch of pizza and shit and, like, keep me, again, fat and happy. Yeah. What a dick. He got to play that off easy. And especially, and picked whichever son he wanted instead of just murdering people. What a yeah. dumbass. But, again, he's losing it. And I don't know if anything else came into play, like, you know, whether he knew that one son would try and kill off the other sons. That was a very real possibility because... He was having trouble figuring out, you know, getting his will straight because he started changing it back and forth near the end. So he realizes this is Herod again. Herod, after I think it's after he kills his son or sometime around that time, he realizes he's probably going to die soon. And one of his concerns is that when he dies, he knew he was such a bad king that the people of Jerusalem would celebrate and be excited and happy that he <laughs> passed away. And it totally throws my previous argument out the window. Because everybody knew he was a piece of shit. Yeah. He had all of these leaders, a bunch of rabbis and teachers, gathered up in Jerusalem and thrown into jail with the plan. He told Salome, when he dies, to kill all of the leaders, all of the teachers. So that way everyone would be mourning in Jerusalem when he was dead. She actually changes this up. And then when he does die, she releases all of them so that when everyone praises him and says he was actually a good king. Good grief. Thankfully, this guy didn't have, like, nuke codes or something. He's just like, when I die, I want everything to turn to fucking dust. He's like, yeah. kill everybody in power, everybody close to me. I want no one to live. Fuck that. Would, 
most kings, don't you? Like you see in the movies and shit, they want their legacy to live on. They want the shit to stay great because their name's on it. This dude's just like, no, man, fucking hit the red button when I go. I want everyone to die. Nothing left. Dude, I, I don't know what was going on because he's building these cities. He's making yeah, the temple. Yeah, you do like, all this shit just to let it go to dust? No, man. You want to put people in place that will carry this legacy on, and they're going to build some big dumb statue of you that they're going to put in the middle of somewhere that somebody else is going to take down because it's annoying later. Yeah. <laughs> That's how kings work. That's what we do. All right. So I got two more things to talk about in the last five days just to round it all out. So one of them is near his death, and I think this is the one that set off Antipater, is that he had a fruit knife and he was eating fruit and peeling it, and then he hated the way his breath stank, again, potentially the worms, and he took the little fruit knife and stabbed himself with it, tried killing himself, and they stopped him, and then that's where the whole thing, like, the, you know, the king's dead. And then the last part, we've been talking about the worms. We've been talking about the worms this whole time. One MD was saying that he thinks it was an acute kidney disease so the kidneys were shrinking and then the poisons toxins were going to his body and to his mind so that's why he was going crazy and uh, this is the greatest part they also think that he potentially had gangrene of the scrotum Mm. based on Josephus's description of genital worms and Mm. the the doctor said once the surface of the scrotum skin falls off what is left looks very worm-like that's ugh Ugh. Yeah, because you have your like veins and vas deferens and like all these things. Like, I've never seen a scrotumless set. I mean, I haven't either. But I think of all the things that run through there that do the things they're supposed to do to the to the little the knots. That yeah. would be that would be very. Hmm. I just again, I just didn't know that you could live without a scrotum. Like that's like so legitimate. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you could it, it, well. No, I was going to say, life might be very fun, but, like, I mean, sure it would be fun, but, like, because that's not where the business happens, but, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but that would be weird, yeah, like, my, you, you definitely mind-fucked me tonight, so. <laughs> good, good. I wish the best for our audience. Yeah. All right, we're wrapping up this whole Christmas thing, so going back, if you go back to our oh, I thought of a thumbnail for our podcast now that we've been talking about rotten scrotums. What is it? Eh, maybe not. I was gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna a rotten, just an anatomically correct rotten scrotum. Oh wow! <laughs> That's why you should have left that in the episode. <laughs> we could definitely put that in there. Uh, we could make that a thumbnail. <laughs> it's like uh, Arrested Development. What is, like, desert? Doesn't know. Oh, that's balls. What? Yeah, yeah. When they look up, it looks like landscape. We close up. Those are definitely balls. Yeah. Gosh, Henry Winkler. Uh, all right, all right. All right. So going back, to, I'm going to wrap this up. Let's do it. Uh, if you can go back in your mind and go back to the beginning of our first part of this whole mess, we talked about the people and how they wanted a king. And they kept saying, we want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel says, you're going to get a king like all the other nations. And that ends up being the son of David. And that ended up being Solomon or someone like David. And David did a v- very similar amount of bad stuff, but not quite as much as Solomon. The, the point I wanted to drive home here with this idea is that the people of Israel are wanting a king like David or a, wanting a king like Solomon. They don't want Herod. They know Herod is bad, and they're like, God, please save us away from Herod and give us a king like this. But for me, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking about that idea. I don't mean to insult anybody, but to me, it looks very short-sighted that you had 
all these things and you had this freedom and you had a God that saw over you and the best you can think of are the three kings that were miserable. I think about Peter, and we're going to get to this in Matthew, says that he doesn't want Jesus crucified. When Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to be martyred. And Peter's like, no, we're going to protect you from that. James and John, they wanted cushy government jobs. They wanted to be set up. We talked about them being like the guys with the salmon-colored shorts, give us cushy government jobs. And we've talked a little bit about Judas and Simon, who they wanted a king like Jesus to overthrow someone like Herod, you know, build, go to Galilee, get the rebellion, and we're going to fight and kill off Herod and chase out Pilate. Like, we're going to win this war. And that is what even the disciples could see. So think about that. And then I think about there is this concept in Christianity called the Trinity. And there's a name that you'll hear, and you hear it especially in the Christian Christmas music. You hear the word Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So Emmanuel was a name that we have given to Jesus and also maybe have added that Trinitarian idea that Jesus is God among people. And I guess when I'm hearing this, I'm thinking there you had, Israel originally had God ruling over them. Then they wanted a man king, a representative. I think, Chris, it was you who said, like, wanted a God in flesh. Then mm-hmm. they had that, and then that person failed. Then they ended up finally with Herod. And then at this point, they are wanting Jesus to be like King David. But what I think Jesus ends up being like is being like Emmanuel. Yeah. Even if you don't believe in the Trinity or you do believe the Trinity, either way you go, you still have this idea in Christianity that Jesus is essentially ruling on behalf of God or is giving God's rule straight and directly to the people. So... I know that sounds, that was a lot of theology at the end or some stuff that maybe you guys are like scratching your heads, like uh, give me the history, a little less of the Christian, like history of Christian belief stuff. But hopefully that does kind of give you an idea of the way this all connects. But I also hope you really enjoyed the craziness of Herod. Yeah. I just got to leave it at that. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Again, way sorry this is late. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and hope that everything's going a Happy New Year? I don't know. Hope that things go well. Shit, I forgot. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>